We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, however you're listening to this podcast, if it allows you to rate and review the show, uh, do that for us. It's such a big help. Uh, Danden on Apple, and most of you do listen uh, to the podcast on Apple. Tommy's here with me, by the way. Uh, Danden writes, as a Marylander living in Los Angeles, it's one of the sports podcasts that continues to keep me updated as if I were back home. Kevin and Tom have great chemistry with their sports topics and their off-topics banter are comical. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Danden. This from B Seltz 32 is a lifelong Redskins fan living in New Jersey. Kevin's my go-to listen during my daily walks. I love the banter with Tom and Cooley, especially. I also appreciate that Kevin does not use the C word very often as I will never accept that stupid name. Okay. We're talking about commanders hearing. It is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Keep up the good work. Uh, and then, Tommy, from a Cowboys fan who also rated us five stars, Stephen, uh, Stephen writes, D.C. native now living in Indianapolis for the last seven years, was thrilled to find this podcast when you started, grew up a Cowboy fan, but always loved listening to the Redskins, to Redskins Talk Radio, never a dull moment with that organization, always a soap opera, love hearing Kevin and the guys talk sports. So... The three reviews, we have somebody listening from Los Angeles, somebody from New Jersey, and somebody from Indianapolis. And I do realize that many, many of the listeners to this podcast, roughly 50%, are not DMV uh, locals. They are from all over the country. In fact, I'll tell you something right now. I'll share this with you, Tommy. The number three market for listeners to this podcast after D.C. and Baltimore is Los Angeles. Really? Really. Now, Los Angeles is pretty damn transient, too, and there are a lot of, obviously, Washingtonians that have you know, moved west and live in L.A. and still want to keep up with their D.C. sports and their you know, Washington football team talk. But, yeah, I always find that interesting. L.A., San Francisco's way up there. Dallas is way up there. New York is way up there on the list, but LA's number three in terms of where, uh, after, you know, DC and Baltimore, basically in DC, 
make up, um, you know, the, the metro area, make up roughly 50% of our listeners, 55% and 45% come from the rest of the country and the rest of the world. We have listeners world. in world. Dubai. We are, we are worldwide. We are worldwide, this podcast is. Yes, we are. Uh, yes. Thank you for the reviews, all of you. Uh, please write a quick review and rate us five stars on Apple in particular. Um, we've got great ratings. You guys continue to do it. It's much appreciated. Uh, how are you doing today? How was your weekend? How was your I'm, Monday night with Neil and Rockville, as you were tweeting out last well, night? Well, let me tell you about my weekend, because I texted you at one point that I think was Friday night. You don't even remember. I mean, you're really... <laughs> I mean, you really just are sometimes lost in the weeds, you know? Uh, I texted you Friday night from uh, Tommy Joe's. Yeah. Not far from your house, probably, right? Right. Downtown Bethesda, uh, Tommy Joe's. I, I mean, you know, 15 minutes from I, my house, but downtown Bethesda, yes. Yeah, I was dancing there Friday night to King Soul. Oh, King Soul. I, I see your text. I see it. You wish me a happy Father's yeah. Day on Sunday. That was your next text, and I and I texted yeah. back to you, you t- you two, hoping yeah. you're having a great day, dancing and. F- and I I told oh. you I was dancing Sunday night you, too. You were a dancing fool all weekend. You were dancing at Tommy dancing, Joe's and dancing in Frederick. And Thursday night I was dancing at Glen Echo Park at the uh, Bumper Car Pavilion. Oh, my God. You didn't text me that? Yes. Now, if you had texted me that you were at Glen Echo Park, now that is a hop, skip, and a jump from my house. That okay. is That's literally three minutes, five minutes from my house in, in Upper Northwest D.C., where I live now. That's not far at all. And, in fact, it's like literally uh, uh, I could walk to it from my old house. So well, we got some fans. We had some fans there uh, uh, Thursday night. What? I saw the band Texas Chainsaw Horns, and they actually asked me to get up and introduce the band to the crowd. Okay, uh, and and we had fans there. You know, people came up to me and said they listened to the podcast all the time and stuff. So you so, were, you yeah, went so that was my weekend. Three straight days: Friday night, Saturday no, night, and Sunday. No, third. Thir- Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. I didn't go dancing Saturday night. Saturday night, I went to uh, a vineyard up in Mount Airy called uh, Black Ankle, and it was pretty good. My first time at a local vineyard. Um, there are some decent local vineyards around here. Certainly, yes, in, there are. Certainly in Northern Virginia, for sure. So yeah. let me tell you, I, I would not have been able to join you on Sunday evening um, dancing <laughs> in Frederick at Baker Park <laughs> because my weekend didn't really go as planned. Um, I I haven't mentioned this at all on the radio show because I really don't have anybody to talk to and complain about it other than you, um, so I'm saving it for you. But I've told you recently that pickleball is something that I really am enjoying. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, and, a lot, and that, that's good. It is good. Um, and one of the yeah. reasons I told you that I'm enjoying it is... You know, it's not really a lot of wear and tear physically. You know, prior to the pandemic, I was still playing basketball twice a week and sometimes more than that. And, you know, that was, uh, let me just say, I was playing primarily on elementary school courts where the courts are much shorter and the basketball is fun and competitive and it's a great workout, but it's not about who's, 
you know, in the greatest of shape. And, and, and it's less kind of wear and tear. And I, um, you know, as you know, I play a lot of golf, and that's a passion of mine for sure. Pickleball's become a recent thing. And one of the reasons I really like it is I, I was a tennis player, and so a lot of the tennis stuff really applies in pickleball. Um, but it wasn't super hard on your body. Like, there wasn't significant risk of injury. I thought. So I thought. Yeah. Saturday morning I played, and you know I've had, you know, multiple back surgeries. Um, I've yes, had, I did. I've had the, you know, for those that are familiar with it, I've had L5-S1 issues for, the, you know, the last 15 years of my life, I've had multiple L5S1 discectomies. Um, shout out to Mike Goldsmith, uh, my friend and my orthopedic surgeon, who I had to reach out to on Saturday because I really, really effed up my back playing pickleball on Saturday morning. And I just am so angry about it because I... I, I I haven't really hurt my back badly in maybe a year and a half, two years, and it's been great to not have any of those days. Those of you that have had back issues, you know that it can be debilitating. And I knew when I did it. Uh, I did it, and I and I was an idiot to continue to play, which I did for like another thirty minutes afterwards. I, it was very windy on Saturday and co- and legitimately cool on Saturday. You know, it was an incredible weekend weather-wise, but Saturday was windy. It was in the 50s. And so I think part of it was I wasn't warmed up. Um, I think heat is better for me to play in the heat than it is to play in the cool weather. And I went to reach for a shot, and I knew when I reached that it was not good and I've been in, you know, excruciating pain really since. Um, and I'm going to uh, perhaps go on like a steroidal treatment here. But I have on Thursday a colonoscopy scheduled. You've had colonoscopies before. Yes, I I've have. I've had one before, and now I have to have another one because... The first one revealed whatever. They were minor, you know, polyps or whatever. And instead of coming back every 10 years, I got to go back like every three years. Okay. So I've got to go back and get um, this thing done. I'm not worried about it at all. But now I'm wondering with the pain I'm in with my lower back. And if I get onto this, if I start taking this steroid treatment to try to really reduce the inflammation if I'm going to be able to get the colonoscopy. So I'm trying to figure all of that out here this morning. The net of it is, I'm not sure I would have joined you and Frederick for dancing (laughs) anyway, but I certainly couldn't have done it on Sunday evening Um, or on, you know, uh, or or whatever the next night you did it was. It was a Thursday, Friday, Sunday thing. So I certainly could not have joined you on Sunday. Tommy, you know, I hate, I hate not being able to move around and be active. I'll tell you what, pickleball, it's it's upsetting to me that I can't continue to go out and play pickleball because I'm really enjoying it. But what really, really uh, frustrates me is I'm not going to be able to swing a golf club for a while right now. I I can't see swinging, uh, going out and playing golf for at least another week unless this steroid is like a miracle 
thing. And I'm hoping, like, if the steroid thing works, that that I'm fine. And that, because basically the next step is MRI. And if it looks like it needs work, I'm going to have to have my back fused. That's the next thing after, um, because there's, and he's told me that for many years, you're eventually going to have to get it fused. And I, that's, that's a major, that's major surgery and major rehab and recovery. You know, it's what Tiger went through, and then he became a right. world-class golfer again and won a major. Um, maybe I yes, can maybe I can break ninety after my back is fused. Who knows? Uh, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's been I've been loaded up on Advil and anti super anti-inflammatories and lots of ice and lots of heat over the last two and a half days, which sucks. Wow, you're you're. You're really a sad case, aren't you? I I am. I la, yesterday. Yeah. Ye, yesterday I did the show, and even this morning I did the show half of the radio show standing up, because sitting is the worst possible thing. Anybody that's that that understands what I'm saying knows that sitting in a car, sitting in a chair for a long period of time actually is terrible for lower back. And so I just have to get up and stand up. And yesterday I did the show standing up for half of it. Um, but whatever. Enough about this. I, I, that's why I couldn't go dancing. And that's probably why I was unresponsive to you this weekend. Because I really was not very happy. And it wasn't a very pleasant weekend. Other than I did get to see my dad on Father's Day. And Father's Day was nice. My wife made a dinner. Uh, we used our new grill for the first time. Um, which was great, uh, and uh, and that's all I got for you. Um, the show's you know, over. <laughs> you know, well, the show isn't over yet. I just want to say, and I don't want—I don't know if this is the path we want to go down or not. But you're very lucky to have your dad. I know, I know. I mean, you know, I lost my dad. I saw the picture you put out. Forty. I saw the picture. Forty you put years out. ago. Yeah. You know, you're lucky. You're lucky to have your father. I know you probably treasure it, and you should. You know, your the picture that you put out with your dad at Shea Stadium um, was a great picture because I don't think I've ever seen a picture of you with your father before, and it's a great picture. It's clearly in the seventies, right? Seventies. You said you lost it your was father in the forty early, years ago. Early, it was in the eighties. Okay, it was early eighties. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and your father, a dapper uh, gentleman, and then you know there's there's Tommy with a bushel full of hair, and <laughs> a lot of facial hair, and big old seventies glasses on. I mean, yes, literally, yes. literally, that your glasses covered half of your face. Um, they were yes, so they big. Did. They were so big, but. <laughs> But, uh, um, yeah, um, you wrote something very nice about your father on Father's Day. And I am so lucky to have my father. And to have my father be still, you know, at the age of 84, very active. You know, he still is out and plays a lot of golf. And, you know, he's had certain, you know, health-related issues like everybody of his age. But for the most part, you know, uh, he's still active and still playing a lot of golf and, hanging out with a lot of friends and his wife and and uh and it was great to see them on Sunday as well. What what's what's your dad think of me? My dad loves listening to the podcast. 
He listens to the podcast. That's not what I asked you. I asked you what he <laughs> thinks of me. I know. I just wanted to at least. Con- I just wanted to give you a momentary concern there. Um, my father <laughs> loves you. Every 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 one of my really good friends and family members um, love uh, and loved the radio show that we did. That they would listen to. They lo- they 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 love it. They they you know they always say the exact same thing, which is it's just incredible how comfortable the two of you are doing the show together and i said well we've done it for a long time um together so that that helps um but you know what everybody says well everybody doesn't say this the people in my life always say they they love the chemistry and it's such a comfortable listen and they're you know they uh you know they don't always agree with either one of us but that doesn't matter um that's uh they think it's really smart and really good as I think both of, I, I think you and I would both say that. I mean, you know, Absolutely. whatever. I'm not. We're not going to sit here but and self promote. But I know that. But but I am concerned a little bit. What you know, somebody I don't know who raised it to me on social media. If my little dust up with Jack Del Rio, uh, and it, it seemed to anger so many people that they're worried about how it's going to influence uh, the impact of our status with the. DC Sports Podcast Association. Oh God! You know what? You just reminded me again. We've got to have him on the show. I have it on my little reminder thing, and it pops up. Um, you know, like once a week. Don't forget to call Brian, DC Podcast Association founder and director. <laughs> um, but, but you see, my worry, my worry is I may have fallen out of favor. Uh, because, you know, I did cause, as, as the words we'd like to say, such a dust up, uh, Uh, with with uh, Del Rio. uh, uh, Let me just make one thing clear to those of you that will occasionally claim that you're not going to listen to the podcast anymore, which I'm sure Tommy gets about me all the time too. I don't give a shit. I, I've been hearing this for years and he's been hearing it about me for years. And as long as he'll have me, uh, he's got a spot here, um, on this podcast, no matter who he dusts up. Um, by the way, you know, real quickly before this podcast started, I read this story that just was written today about, about Jack Del Rio on, on, uh, I read it too from USA Today. Uh, and it wasn't Mike yes. Jones. It was, hold on. It was Josh Peter who wrote it. I don't know who Josh Peter is, but he wrote a story titled Jack Del Rio's Father, High School Teammates, and Players Helped Shed Light on Controversial Comments from Del Rio. And I'll just net it out. I read it right before we started. It was, I wasn't intending to bring it up on the show, but basically everybody who's ever been in Jack Del Rio's life thinks pretty highly of Jack Del Rio. That's my that's my summation of the story. Would you agree? But they with also that? Yeah, they, are, are with surprised, a caveat that surprise. A lot yeah, are are surprised at the road that that he's traveled. Yes. Um, they they are surprised about you're right. They have nothing but good things to say about him uh and their relationships with him when they've known him over the years. Uh but uh they're just a little bit taken aback uh, by you know where he went on social media uh, of late. Yeah, so, and, and by the way, let me. But be you're clear. right. You're right. That growing up, 
he he's got i mean his friends are, are you know standing by him publicly uh, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, over the, all of them. But no, to, to your point, I, yeah. w- I wanted to make it clear that it wasn't that they were surprised that he used poor judgment in in going public and and at a time with an organization that he shouldn't be creating right. controversy. It was that his politics were what his politics are. That's what they were surprised yeah. at. Um, yes, they were. So anyway, uh, you didn't. Um, I know you didn't watch the golf and you don't care about the golf. I would just <clears throat> urge people who didn't listen to yesterday's show um, to listen to the interview with Denny McCarthy. Denny was on the show. Denny finished tied for seventh. Denny's a great you know, young guy and a real up-and-comer on the tour. Um, I'm not bringing that up um, for the purpose of kind of rehashing the U.S. Open, but this morning Brooks Kepka, uh is the latest to jump to the Live Tour. Um, and he may be followed, or he's expected to be followed, um, by Abraham Answer. Big deal, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But Kepka, another major name to jump to the Live Tour. And there's also reports that Colin Morikawa could jump next. Um, apparently he has scrubbed much of his social media of PGA tour mentions, which should, which probably is an indicator, um, that he's about to jump to the live tour. I know you don't really care about this story. And what I was just going to say about it real quickly is I, I, I wish that the live tour wasn't attracting these players. I, to be honest with you, kind of understand it. I mean, the money is obscene. It's it's outrageous. I mean, try telling some of these players who have never made anywhere near this amount of money in terms of lifetime, uh, you know, earnings to turn it down. I'm not saying that the players that have turned it down, I'm not respectful of because I think some of those players, I'm. It's I totally respect the fact that they're sticking with the PGA Tour for competitive reasons, for moral reasons, and for other reasons. But I'm just telling you that there's going to be a big old shitstorm coming soon because they've got eight of the top 50. They're going to probably get more of the top 50 with the money they're offering. And then, you know, as Steve Sands really spelled out for me last week on the radio show, you know, these players are independent contractors. There's no union to, you know, to, to fight for them. They're independent contractors, and they're going to sue the PGA Tour um, for uh, suspending them or preventing them for play- from playing both. And eventually it's going to come down to how the Masters handles this in April. Now, we may have a, a, a solution or a resolution to this by the time we get there. But, man, it is. Um, I, I think it's a pretty intriguing story. And at the same time, the U.S. Open was incredible. And the Canadian Open the week before that, incredible. And there are a lot of young and up-and-coming up stars that are that are kind of you know making the game really fun to watch. I thought the U.S. Open without a lot of major names at the top of the leaderboard. I mean, you know, Morikawa was uh, was there and Rory was you know in the hunt, but you ended up with Fitzpatrick and Zalatoris, you know, on the final. I thought that was exciting. I think there's some really good young players and it's fun to watch them. But Kepka, the latest to go. I mean, a multi-time well, got one. major champion and a star in the sport. Okay. I got a question for you about the the uh, the live tour. Yeah, it's fifty four holes, right? As opposed to seventy two, right? And not only is it fifty four holes, Tommy, it's only forty eight players in an event, and there's no cut. 
and the prize money is bigger. So you're guaranteed, even if you finish dead last after 18 fewer holes, to walk away with 120 grand on in most. Have they talked about? Have they talked about why they decided on 54 holes? Uh, I guess it was just another. I don't know the answer to that. I'm guessing now. Okay. It was just another incentive. My, my question is: This is to play. This it. is the brainchild of Greg Norman, right? He's the guy behind this whole thing. Well, the, what's behind it is this Saudi Arabian public investment I know, fund, which mon- is worth you know 150 know. billion dollars or whatever. But, but yes, it's uh, but Greg Norman no- is the face of it. Yeah, it, 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 they're fronting yeah. Greg Norman, who's the face of it. Correct. Well, isn't it interesting that? Uh, in the little bit that I know about golf, that Greg Norman is known for major <laughs> chokes on major tournaments yeah. on the last day <laughs> of of playing. So now there's one. Le- if 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 those tournaments had been 54 rounds, nobody would ever say Greg Norman was a choker, would they? Uh, Greg Norman is one of the true notorious golf chokers of all time. I mean, there is no doubt about it. And yes, typically it was the final round and really the back nine of the final round where, uh, he melted down. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's the re- the reason, but certainly... Neither do I, but he, I think it's funny. Yeah, if he could go back and just take his best 54 holes from every major, he'd probably uh, he'd probably have the record for the most majors of all time because he was he probably a would. talent. And, what is, and he was a massive star in the game. Yes. Massive star in the game. Um, but, yeah, uh, he, he choked away several majors, that's for sure. All right, uh, we've got some football to talk to and more. We'll get to all of that. I actually have a question for Tommy about the Nats um, and the Orioles uh, who do battle uh, starting tonight for the first of their four games. I think there's two tonight and two in September. We'll get to all of that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
According to my bookie, Tommy, uh, Washington is minus 219 as a no to make the playoffs in 2022. What does that mean, mean people? It means that uh, the odds are better that they don't make the playoffs than they make the playoffs. You have to wager, if you're wagering no, 219 to win 100. Uh, if you think they are going to make the playoffs, uh, you wager 100 and you win 176. They're plus 176 to make the playoffs. These are the kinds of prop bets that my bookie has. They've got so many NFL prop bets for the upcoming 2022 season. Go to my bookie at mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. My bookie's been uh, a consistent sponsor of this podcast for a few years now. Um, use my bookie for not just your sports betting, but they've got an online casino. They've got a race, a horse book uh, as well. Uh, mybookie.ag, mybookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC, and you'll double your first deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks. So before we get to the congressional stuff, which I'm going to be honest with you, it's getting tiresome, although I am looking forward to Goodell tomorrow um, to see what he says and how he handles it. RG3 yesterday um, was uh, active on Twitter as it relates to Washington. He had two tweets about the commanders yesterday. The first tweet is the one that I'm going to read to you second. The, the second tweet I'm going to read to you first. The second tweet was, the commander's defensive line showing up is more important than which Carson Wentz shows up. Four first-round picks, and he puts that in all capital letters, on the defensive front has to equal dominance, which is also uh, spelled out in caps. Stop fighting on the sidelines. That was Deron Payne and John Allen. And start fighting in the trenches. That's all in capital letters. Stop the run, own the line of scrimmage, and create havoc. Um, that was the second tweet of the day. We'll get to the first one, which we'll spend more time on. But uh, RG3 is wrong. Um, Carson, which Carson Wentz shows up is the most important thing for this football team as, as it relates to the actual on-field product because they had a really good defensive line in 2020 and they didn't have good quarterback play and they went 7-9. and nine. They had their best defensive right. line play that they've had in years. They had their best defense in years in 2020, and they went 7-9. and nine. I know they won the division and they, won, and they played a playoff game, but they weren't a very good football team because they didn't have a very good quarterback. Carson Wentz, which Carson Wentz shows up, is the most important thing to the season overall result. Now, if Carson Wentz is just okay, it'll be really important that the defense is much improved, Tommy, you know, and that the D-line shows up. Um, and if, the, if Carson Wentz stinks – then the defense is going to have to be great for them just to, you know, uh, you know, kind of wade in the 500 waters or the, you know, 8 and 9 waters. But no, I disagree with him. Which Carson Wentz shows up this year is the most important thing as it relates to the football product on the field this year. I mean, this smells like uh and RG3, I'm going to be a contrarian and show people I'm really smarter than everybody else. 
by telling them what's really important here. Well, that's what we. That's really what it is. I mean, it's it's the quarterback. It's it's it's. You know, I mean, again, like you said, the defensive line could be good, really good, but if they're playing from behind, or if they're not putting up points to give that defensive line a chance to to tee off or whatever, then it really doesn't matter. It's all about Carson Wentz. If, Car- if the Carson Wentz of 2017 shows up and the D-line stinks, they're going to be nine wins or better and be contending for, you know, at the very least, a wild-card spot. All right, th- th- that's the if the D-line of 2020, and I know that they played, you know, some real scrubs at quarterback, especially down the stretch, but if the, if the defense of 2020 or the defense that we thought was going to be in 2021 shows up and Carson Wentz of 2019 shows up, uh, they're an, they're a seven and ten, eight and nine football team. So, look, I, I I think it's really intriguing the defense this year because if it isn't much better, uh, man, I think heads are going to roll after twenty twenty two. I mean, they've got too much talent up front for it not to be better than it was last year. It was twenty seventh DVO uh, DVOA uh, per football outsiders. They stunk last year defensively. It better be a, a, a hell of a lot better than it was last year. And it is, as we've talked about before, amazing what a year does. Last year, we were convinced the defense would be the strength and the offense wasn't the strength. And this year, you know, the, the best skill position players are on offense and we're concerned about the defense. But no, his first tweet, I think, is dead wrong and off. Now, his second tweet reads as follows. This is the most dynamic commander's offense in the last decade. Solid O-line, playmaking tight end, explosive running back room with Antonio Gibson as the lead dog, Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel leading the wide receiver room with depth behind them. Carson Wentz has, in capital letters, a lot to work with. What do you think about that? I don't get this. This explosive running back room. I mean, at some point, uh, Antonio Gibson was benched last year, okay, uh, because he couldn't hold on to the ball. Other than that, I'm not sure where the explosive running back room is. I mean, we're talking about this great offense based on untested talent for the most part. Curtis Samuel couldn't even get on the field last year, and he still hasn't been able to get on the field, I think. So... I mean, this, this, this notion that they're stacked offensively is based on promise, not based on, on, on performance to date. Yeah. I, well, first of all, I think J.D. McKissick is missing from his list of players here. I think McKissick actually Okay, you're right. You're is, right. Is you're right. He's one important. of the most important offensive players. Absolutely. You're right about that. So where I totally dismiss his first tweet about, you know, the D-line being much more important than which Carson Wentz shows up, um, I actually think he's on to something here. Now, this is self-serving. I'm surprised you didn't immediately pick up on that. This is the most dynamic commander's offense in the last day- decade means since my year, 2012. So okay, that, you're right. That that's really what he's saying. And if you go post 2012, there was only one really good offensive team, and that was 2016. 
2016, they were really good offensively. They finished fifth per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. In 2012, they finished sixth. Um, so, twenty look, 2016 with Deshaun and Jordan Reed and Pierre and Kirk, um, and by the way, without a running game, they really were a very good offensive football team, and they carried that that team to what ended up being an 8-7-1 and one disappointing finish. Should have been a playoff season if they didn't have the worst defense, worst third down defense in the history of modern football, and a kicker who missed multiple big kicks. That should have, even without the giant game that ended that year, that should, should have been a team that clinched a playoff spot long before that season finale. Um, they were really good offensively. Now, they were not a great red zone offensive team, um, but, you know, Kirk threw for nearly 5,000 yards. You had dynamic weapons. You had a coach, actually, a head coach, and an offensive coordinator who really, they were able to design a pretty effective pass offense. You know, Jay Gruden, who's been on, on the podcast several times, you know, over the last year, year and a half, uh, he loves when we talk about the 2016 offense. He goes, man, if we had just been decent defensively, uh, we would have been a really good football team and we would have had a chance. Um, which is why, by the way, beginning in 2017, they started to draft defense primarily. You know, John Allen, Deron Payne, you know, over the next two drafts. Anyway, using the adjective dynamic to describe the offense – I actually think this offense in 2022, Tommy, you're right, it's promise. And a lot of the players that he's listing, you know, uh, Curtis Samuel in in particular, Jahan Dotson, who's a rookie who's never played in the NFL. By the way, Scary Terry, who's not under contract or doesn't have his contract extension. He is under contract. Um, And Gibson had a fumbling uh, problem, although I'm a Gibson fan. I actually... I know what the PFF numbers show, for those of you that follow it, that he left a lot of yards on the field. I think he's gotten better, and I like Gibson. During their four-game winning streak last year, Gibson carried that team in a lot of ways. Um, I like Gibson. I like McKissick. I think the receiver room does have a lot of potential. You know, I'm a I'm a Dotson fan. I'm a Curtis Samuel fan. I, I just hope he can get onto the field healthy. You know, McLaurin, Deami Brown, he mentions the tight end. He's talking about Logan Thomas. We'll see whether or not he's healthy and ready to start the year. But he is, you know, I think healthy, a player who really showed a lot of promise last year and a player last two years, a player who's got a chance to become, you know, a top 10-ish kind of tight end in this league. Uh, I agree. And, and then I like Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator. I know a lot of you don't, but I think he is creative. Now, I think there's some pressure on Scott Turner to make sure that if all these guys are healthy and on the field, he makes it work. But I think he is creative. It comes down to Wentz. It comes down a little bit to the offensive line. But I don't think RG3's wrong. It, and I Put it this way. If he had said it's got the potential to be the most dynamic commander's offense since his in 2012, dynamic, I don't think he's wrong about that. I actually am, uh, and some of you have probably heard me say this or, or sort of sense that I feel this way. I do feel like offensively they've got a chance if everything comes together health-wise and the quarterback has – let's just say at least as good of a year as he had last year, 
I think it could be a pretty dynamic offense and could be the strength of this team and could give it a chance to win nine games or ten games and be in the hunt. Put it this way, Tommy. Last year at this time, I was playing them under seven and a half. This year, I'm going to consider playing them over seven and a half, over eight. You know, I've seen some eight and a halfs out there now. Now, you know, you're going to get um, by playing, you know, over eight and a half, you're going to get some pretty favorable money line odds like plus 150 or greater. I think they've got a chance if it all comes together offensively. You know, but again, it's based on promise. Of course they have a chance because, I mean, you know, they have high draft picks who people seem to be very excited about. But, uh, you know, I just can't think of all the excitement about, uh, you know, all these potential offensive. I just keep thinking about Josh, Josh Doxson and how excited you were about him. That's true. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's every bit that, that, these, you know, that these guys could be bust. It's, there's no guarantees. I'm excited about Jahan Dotson, too, and he's another player who played at a school my son went to. So maybe that's my downfall. <laughs> um, but I, I like Jahan Dotson a lot. I, you know, and I, but you're right. Everybody I was, does. I was super high on Josh Dotson. Um, you know, let me just. So I'm just saying, I think people, I, I understand the potential. I mean, if it were me. I'd really be cautious about getting excited until I actually saw them in, in a couple of games. It's an untested group. Yes. But it's also, there are a lot of them out there. Like, you know, if Curtis Samuel was hurt or if, you know, they really were down on Antonio Gibson. I mean, that's why they drafted Brian Robinson, and they've got McKissick. And if Logan Thomas really isn't ready, that's why they drafted Cole Turner, who apparently really was impressive during some of this offseason stuff. Look, you're right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm withholding really strong opinion until I see them play actual games. But they have some talented players, and – Bottom line is, I think Scott Turner and Carson Wentz are the keys here. Uh, I, I have more trust in Turner than I do in Wentz, but I do know and feel very comfortable in saying Wentz is certainly better than anything they've had since Kirk Cousins at quarterback. I, I feel that way. Now, you take the leadership and the smarts and everything else into, into consideration. Um, you know, Alex Smith certainly was a leader. There's no doubt about that. You know, Carson Wentz, the concerns are injuries and then all of the things that kind of, you know, ended uh, poorly in Philly and in Indianapolis. You know, there was yeah. not a, a sense of a real leader at the position. Hopefully he finds that in Washington because it so often happens that people find their best years here in Washington. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. This is the place where people go to get right. Yeah. This is where careers are revived. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I think RG3 actually has a point about the offense. I've been kind of on that, uh, you know, on that train for a little bit, and I'm going to continue to be on that train until we see, you know, proof otherwise. But, you know, fully healthy. Um, many of you, you know, I'm sure don't have the, the faith in Scott Turner that I do. Um, but by the way, maybe you should just place your faith in Scott and his father, 
Norv Turner with the theme being fathers today because Norv has been out in Ashburn a lot this spring. Um, I saw him out there uh, the day I was at minicamp. He's been out there a lot. I, I'm not sure he's missed a day. Yeah. So Ron likes having him around, obviously. Uh, son Scott likes having him around. And, you know, say what you want about Norv, the head coach. Norv's one of the greatest offensive coordinators of all time. I, he won't go to the Hall of Fame as an offensive coordinator. I'm not suggesting that. But Norv has been one of the most highly respected offensive minds over the last 30 years of football. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. Just not head coach material. So what do you want to say about the back and forth between Snyder and the House Oversight and Reform and their spokespeople and Goodell talking tomorrow? What, what do you want to say about this? Well, I told you Goodell would talk because this is what commissioners get paid to do. Uh, you know, he's not going to be there in person, so the committee is losing some dramatic effect by having him appear via Zoom. You know, Snyder, if he wasn't such a weasel, I sort of have a, a respect for what he's doing. I mean, because according to, you know, the reports, he's on his yacht in, in France. You know, it's, it's almost like that scene in Animal House where, when, when, they, when they confiscate everything in, 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 the, in the fraternity house and, uh, you know, Otter and Boone say, road trip. And they go on a road trip. This is what Snyder did. This is what it's like. Yeah, it's it's like that part in, in Animal House where Snyder Snyder said, "Screw you! I'm getting on my yacht. You try to go to, to s- Con. I yell, but he's such a weasel. You know, he's not doing it out of out of uh, uh, I don't know emboldenment or boldness. He's doing it because he's scared. Yeah, you know that's why he's doing it. He's He's hiding in the trophy closet of that yacht, probably as we speak. And there's not a lot of room for him because it's not a big closet. Let's face it. No. So, I, so I mean, I I, I think it's kind it's of not, funny. It's not your office, uh, that's for sure. No, no, it's not. <laughs> so, I, I think it's kind of funny. I'll be real curious about if they subpoena him. Because you know, uh, you know Steve Bannon, the uh, Trump advisor. Yeah. He uh, was subpoenaed and didn't appear, and then they put an arrest warrant out for him. Right. And they served him on a yacht in the middle of the ocean. I didn't. So I, it didn't can I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I somebody don't... told me I was at Shelley's last night. And somebody pointed that out to me. Sure, that he, I think he was in the Long Island Sound somewhere uh-huh. where uh, the, basically the Coast Guard came up to the ship and said, you're served. Well, you're you're I, under arrest. I you're mean, served. we would need Neil and Rockville or Howard uh, to weigh in on this, but I think it would be different if you were in a different country and in different waters. No. Apparently, I've been told on the Coast Guard, if you're a foreign flag vessel, which Snyder's uh, yacht would be, the Coast Guard can board you anywhere in the world. Well, so um, I had Howard Gutman on the show yesterday. It was a really uh, interesting conversation. It was be- it was before the other statement that came from Snyder's attorney came out, and really that didn't materially change 
um, the conversation with Howard. But Howard's kind of still with, look, bottom line is, um, you know, this guy's not going to, you know, he's not going to testify. I mean, he has zero uh, desire to, and by the way, to your point, he said, trust me, if Virginia was meeting today to discuss whether or not they were going to give him four, $350 million for a new stadium and they needed him to be present, he'd be back here. Uh, that, that meeting abroad wouldn't be nearly as important. Um, but he pointed out a couple of things that, you know, I, I, I thought were important. Number one is, you know, this, uh, this House Oversight and Reform Committee has gotten a little bit too direct in um, and, and accusatory uh, towards him. And it, he, the, in their statement the other day, they, they basically said he's refused to accept accountability for his actions, uh, which he fostered. You know, and then yesterday, a spokesperson for the committee um, said that, um, you know, uh, that that his refusal to testify sends an unmistakable signal that Mr. Snyder is something to hide and is afraid of coming clean to the American public and addressing major worker protection, et cetera. Et cetera. It's like, you know, Howard pointed this out. It's like, this isn't the brightest way for them to approach this. You can't show that kind of, you know, prejudgment and bias and then ask him to show up without a subpoena. Like, you know, you're asking him to show up and yet you've already basically publicly stated, you know, what you believe he's guilty of. So they haven't been very smart on that end. Um, whether or not they go down the subpoena path, you know, and how easy that is, Howard thinks it's not that easy, you know, especially with a committee where you would have pushback, they'd have to, you know, uh, essentially vote on whether or not to subpoena him, subpoena him, that would take time. And then Snyder's people would go back in terms of trying to fight the subpoena. If it even got served easily with him on a yacht, they'd have to find him, I guess. Um, but that ultimately, you know, it's the wait game until November. But um, the other part of this, Tommy, is just Goodell tomorrow. And what will Goodell say? And I asked Howard, I'm like, I think the question that's going to be asked of him, and Howard said he'll have an answer, is what did Beth Wilkinson's investigation recommend as far as Dan Snyder goes? And, you know, Howard basically suggested uh, well, we didn't ask for a recommendation. She may have her own beliefs as to what we should do, but that's really for, you know, the 31 uh, other owners to decide. And we've already fined him the largest amount, you know, that we've ever fined a team, $10 million. And, and I said, well, you know, remember, they didn't find, you didn't, you know, Goodell didn't find Dan Snyder. They find the team. And they didn't suspend him. He made that very clear in the aftermath of that $10 million fine. They called yes. you and told you that wasn't yes. a fine of Dan Snyder. That was a fine of the team. You know, he didn't get suspended uh, just because Tanya was named co-CEO. And he's focusing on the stadium uh, efforts, which, by the way, has really worked out well for him. Um, and so uh, I, I just said, th this is an opportunity tomorrow. This could be theater for Maloney and for Chris Mathori and all of these, you know, Dems that really have made it very clear that what they want is Dan Snyder's hide. And they could, they could turn it into, isn't it true, Commissioner Goodell, that Beth Wilkinson recommended that he be removed as the owner of the team? Isn't it true 
that in the Wilkinson investigation, that this settlement of a lawsuit from 2007 uh, indicated that he had uh, committed a sexual harassment of some sort. Like, I think this could be interesting tomorrow because it's going to be. I think it could be, yes. It, it could be an yes, opportunity be. for them to share what they believe they know, but that Goodell's not going to confirm. Right. Right. No, it, it's Roger Goodell is not good. He's going to earn his money tomorrow, you know, at this hearing. You're convinced of that. You know, because, yeah, he, he's going to earn his money in, in taking the hits. You're convinced that that's going to be the mode of operation tomorrow for him, is that he's going in there yeah. to take the bullets for Snyder rather than the 31 owners and the commissioner that have major Snyder fatigue and wish he was out, that he's not going to assist that at all. Well, you know what? Somebody else brought that up to me uh, actually last night at Shelley's uh, as a possible scenario where maybe – uh, Goodell uses this as an opportunity to bury the guy. I agree with you. I don't think that that's what the commissioner does. I think he works for Snyder. He's got a job to do, yes. which is to take the bullets for him. But they dislike him so much, and they want him gone. Remember the quotes in the Maskey story from the league meetings in Atlanta last month. You know, what we, what we wish for is different from what we can actually do. What they really wanted right. in, in th- those owners is they wanted Goodell to punish him more severely. So maybe something comes out of all of this where there's a more severe punishment. And what does that mean? A, a, a suspension? And what does that really mean of an owner, really? I mean, plus his wife is running the team. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, and, and is he, did he say he's doing business someplace or commander's business? Well, that's Howard pointed that out. He said he's doing commander's business, and you know Howard said something like, "What's he, you know, looking into Samus Reyes's roots, or you know, what's he actually doing well, he, on his boat?" And if it's he's not, not supposed to be doing I commander's know. business, well, um, I think it's. I think you're right that the commissioner will take the hits for him because that's what old Raj is supposed to do. But I'm not like a hundred percent convinced that he might not say something that may be somewhat demeaning. And I am definitely curious to see if these politicians use this forum to sort of get out what they know um, and, and sort of smear him in a backhanded way through their questions of Goodell, which they know he's not going to answer. Oh, I think you're right. I think I think they're going to do that. Uh, and here's the other thing that you know maybe we don't care that much about, but I can't believe it's not going to come up in in the hearing uh, tomorrow. Is the thing that triggered this whole thing in the first place? The John Gruden emails, the John Gruden Bruce Allen emails. I mean, that's that's how we got where we are right now. Because this Washington investigation was pretty much dead in the water. It was. Now, and, people still wanted that, the Beth Wilkinson report. There was still going to be yes, the push did. from all of the, you know, the women um, and, and the, the, the victims of the workplace environment. They were going to continue to push for transparency on the Wilkinson report. But you're right. This thing was, you know, 
pretty much after the $10 million fine and the public reprimand, it was pretty much dead in terms of, you know, Congress or anything else before those years. Absolutely. So that will be a topic of discussion, I'm sure, too. Now, you know, the Dell's not going to be able to say much because they're in litigation with with Gruden. Gruden's suing them uh, because he got fired uh, as, as a result of, of, of those emails being leaked. But we don't know what the committee has with those either. And we don't know what, what, what kind of information they have about, the, about those emails. That's true too. That could be another way for them to start leaking out, you know, the the these email, uh, the, what, what they know about the emails, what they know about the Beth Wilkinson investigation, what they may know about the current ongoing Mary Jo White investigation of the yes. business practices, which was a, a late addition to the Mary Jo White uh, investigation. But what started it, the Tiffany uh, Johnston uh, allegations, yes. which by Tiffany the way, Johnson, yes. which are the allegations for me. Obviously, this this is kind of, you know, putting two and two together. The fact that Snyder so quickly wanted to investigate that on his own and be totally transparent, I think there's probably not a lot to those that can be proved, you know, that can be proven. And maybe there wasn't much to it to begin with. Not to mention the guy that it was Jason Friedman who was the witness to the one, uh, uh, you know, accusation she made about him sort of trying to push him into his limo. Um, right. But remember, when you have a he said, she said, and there are cases that proceed on that, uh, they often proceed on the credibility of the accuser. And if Mary Jo White finds uh, Tiffany Johnson to be a credible, more believable than Dan Snyder, I, that could be very damaging for him. That, that could be just what they need to oust him. Tomorrow's an interesting day. You know, I, I did this thing on the radio show this morning where I said, I don't want to know what you care about. I don't really want to know what you um, want to talk about. I just want to know what you think is the most important thing right now, the Snyder stuff or the, you know, the football team stuff, because we've talked about this a lot. You know, if you just take many steps back and look at it from a, a macro view. In this league, it's the owner and the quarterback. And if you don't have either one, you're done. you got no chance. You've got a chance to have a good season here or there, and maybe they'll have a good season this year because they've got some talent. But if you don't have the owner and the quarterback, you've got no chance of having a, a, a significant run in this league. And so to me, that makes a lot of this stuff, which, you know, you know, we've got investigations, we've got hearings, we've got something else that'll be coming down the road, we know. Still very important because until Snyder is gone, this franchise has no chance unless it stumbles on to the next Pat Mahomes. And that that's not Carson Wentz. Hate to, to, to burst anybody's bubble out there, but they don't have Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Joe Burrow, or what you know, the Ursays got with Peyton Manning when they weren't the right. you know, best-owned team in the league either. So tomorrow's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. I'm actually – are we able to watch it? Will it be streamed? Will it it's be a C-SPAN? Yeah, it's on YouTube. They're, 
I can send you the link. There's a link that's been posted by some people okay. on Twitter. What time yeah, does it, it start? at 10. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. All right. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's podcast might be a late podcast getting out because I'm going to wait to – I'm going to watch that tomorrow uh, and then respond to it. Maybe we'll have either Neil or Howard or somebody else on to respond to it. All right. Uh, a couple of other things to finish up uh, on when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you need new windows, you've been thinking about new windows, give Window Nation a shot. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Their deal right now is buy two, get two free with no money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. You're not going to get a better deal. You're not going to work with a better company. And you're not going to work with better product. Uh, Their windows are made here locally. Uh, They offer every single window combination available, vinyl, wood, fiberglass. Their installers have over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed. They've got a 96% satisfaction rating. Call Window Nation, 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. You can shop it. They won't rush you. Uh, They'll take good care of you. So the Nats play the Orioles tonight. But before we get to that, I just wanted to to ask you if you knew um, and have been following the kind of season that the Yankees are having. Oh, it's it's what they've they've lost like what seventeen games this year, something like that. Fifty. It's remarkable. Seventeen right now. They're thirty three games over five hundred. They're on pace to win the most regular season games, breaking the Mariners' hundred and sixteen record. Uh, 116 win record in, in 2001. By the way, Garrett Cole took a no-hit bid into the eighth last night. Um, they're crushing people. They've got a plus 145 run differential. They have, Tommy, I was looking at this this morning. It's June 21st, first day of summer, by the way. Happy summer to everybody. They've got a 12-game lead over Toronto on June 21st, and Toronto is nine games over 500. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> this is an incredible season that the Yankees are having. By the way, the second best season in the league is the Mets season right now. Yes. People are, are salivating over the idea of, of a Subway Series. I'm not. And I pointed that out to somebody that the last time they had that in 2000, the ratings were not good. They were not good. I remember that. Yeah. We were all yeah, convinced they were, they were going to be through it, the it, roof, but they weren't. Yeah. No, they weren't. Why? Why? So, why, I mean, why, why weren't they? Is it was it an anti New York thing? Is it because it was just one market? You didn't have a second major market. What, what what were the reasons? Because the Yankees are such a massive appeal team or a very polarizing team, but that's usually good for ratings. Yeah, and that was the series where Mike Piazza right. and uh, Roger Clemens had the big showdown. Yep. Over the the, the broken bat. Uh, I don't know what the reasons were. My, I mean, off the top of my head, I would think. That uh, the lack of uh, of a, a another market besides New York contributed to that. It was also a short series, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the Yankees won in five games, maybe. Yeah, I could be wrong about that. I'm pulling. It was it up not right a real now. competitive series. Five games. Yeah. They won four uh, four games yeah. to one. And and yeah. by the way, they were not like a great team. Neither team was really great during the regular season. The Mets were better, 
Um, but the Yankees were 87 and 74 during the regular season. Yeah, so, that, that was the Yankees' fourth World Series championship in five years. Yeah, amazing. Jeter yeah. was the MVP. Um, so the Nats play the Orioles tonight up in Baltimore, you know, the first of their four games, annual four games against each other. The other two are back in Nats Park in September. So tell me real quickly, because I'm not following the story, um, where the Orioles' ownership situation stands. Well, uh, you know, the, the, controlling, uh, the, the controlling partner that baseball has approved in this is John Angelos, one of Peter Angelos' sons. Peter Angelos is pretty much incapacitated uh, and has been for quite a few years now. Uh, and he has two sons, John and Lou, and recently, Lou Angelos filed a lawsuit against John Angelos saying that John is trying to take control of the team against his father's, the, the wishes of his father, which, uh, as I understand it, are, are laid out in Peter Angelos' will that when he dies, uh, he wants the team sold. Uh, as I understand it, that's in his will. Okay. So there's some dispute about, you know, I guess, whether, you know, who's going to be in charge of that sale, whether John wants to sell them or not. Uh, there's a lot of ridiculous speculation that John Angelos, whose wife is in, I think, the music business in Nashville, would move the right. team to Nashville, which is so so absurd. I can't. I, I mean, I, I understand for a city that lost the Colts. I understand the paranoia, but like I point out, baseball has not let an owner move a team since the Senators left in 1971. When the Nationals moved from Montreal, they were owned by Major, by, by League, Major Baseball. League Baseball. Right? Yeah, they were not owned by an owner. The last, the, break the that last president. owner to to move a team was Bob Short in '71. Bob Short. Wow. Yeah. So they're they're not going to break that precedent for John Angelos, who they have no regard for whatsoever. They think he's a lightweight at best. So. As right now, there's a lot of infighting going on, but when Peter Angelos moves on to that great uh, courtroom in the sky, uh, that team's going to be up for sale. So that leads me to this. Which team gets sold for more, Washington or Baltimore? Washington. Even it's a better with, market. It, the nation's capital. I know, but it's got a terrible television deal. I would think that that TV deal gets resolved uh, I think if, if you if you believe Angelos is the impediment to the TV deal, which which they are, uh, I, I think that that gets resolved. Uh, you know, for the sale, I don't think that's going to be a big burden for, for the sale. Uh, I just think Washington uh, will wind up with the bigger price. All right. Any news on that? Like, where are they on, on, you know, working with their investment banker? And are they just readying it for sale right now? I think so. I mean, I think people are looking at the books right now. Uh, so I don't really know where they are in that. I just wanted to alert people to my column today in the Washington Times. You can find it on WashingtonTimes.com. <laughs> Click on sports. Uh, and you can find it on Twitter and Facebook where I write a column since the Nats are playing the Orioles today, 
how a lot of Orioles fans still think that their all their attendance problems and their business woes are because baseball put a team in Washington, and they believe that based on the fact that Peter Angelos would tell people that 20 to 25 percent of their fan base came from the Washington area. Right. And I point out that that's a total lie. It is a fabrication. What was yes. what was the highest I quote, percentage? I I. I I quote a former club official who said it's a made-up number. Well, what's the and right actually, number? It dates, back, it, it dates back to Edward Bennett Williams. He's the one who came up with that. Right. Angelos just carried it, but EBW was the one who started that. I don't know what the right number is, but uh, the people who wanted baseball in the district hired an independent uh, research firm to come up with a number as to the number of season ticket holders for the Orioles, who were from the Washington metro area. And it was an independent study, even though it was paid for by D.C. baseball. Their number, 4%. I find that hard to believe. But By the way... Really? Yeah, I do. I, I think, I mean, we're talking obviously, you know, during the heyday of the Orioles with no baseball team in Washington. That's what we're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Four uh, percent season ticket holders. Okay, season ticket holders versus overall attendance. I mean, I yeah. mean, Tommy, the, Tommy, Baltimore benefited significantly from Washington not having a baseball team no. for all those years. No, no. Oh, come on. No, no, no. Come on. No, they benefit. They benefited significantly from not having a football team for all those years. They made hay. Their attendance shot up. After the Colts, the Colts left? Were, uh, yes, until the Ravens came. That period, that's when, and plus the stadium opened then, that's when they had their surge. You're telling me they didn't when, benefit when from those games being on TV in the D.C. market and having, you know, many... Of course they... Now, you said they benefited greatly. Of course they, it was an impact, but not nearly the impact that you think and that Peter Angelos believes. Well, I didn't say 20 Even to 25% you... in terms of attendance. I'm just saying 4% seems super low. And okay. it's, it's okay. like you're using let's that say, number to... Say, yeah, go ahead. Let's say you have margin of error, as they like to do in these polls. Plus or, ten per, plus or minus 10% on, on that number. Let's say it's 100%. Then it's 8%. Yeah. Well, I, How close is that? Yeah, well, that's, that's not the way you do a margin. That's not the way you do a margin of error. But um, I, okay. I, 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 I understand what you're. I understand what you've written, and I understand the column that you and you're trying to get the point across. And it's 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 certainly a revealing point that Washington was not as significant to to the Baltimore Orioles as everybody thinks. But it just seems to me like you're making it sound like it was insignificant. It was not among the, the main reason the Orioles have been in trouble is because of the the incompetence of Peter Angelo's ownership. Well, yeah. Among the other reasons is the presence of an NFL football team that happened to do very well right from the jump, pretty quickly, yeah. right from the start, while the Orioles were on their downward slide. The Orioles started dropping in attendance in '98 and started their stretch of losing teams. Two years later, the Ravens were in the Super Bowl. Weren't the Orioles a playoff now, you know team in 97 Baltimore. and 98? The Orioles were 97, 6, 96, 97. Okay, 96, Not 98. Because I remember going they to had a, a couple of games against the Indians 
in the postseason. Yeah, they had a losing season in 98. Their attendance started to fall down. And two years later, the Ravens are in the Super Bowl. And if you've been to Raven games, you know that's a blue-collar fan base. Okay? And they had to make a decision as to where they were going to spend their season ticket money. And the Ravens made it easy for them. Uh, Last thing on the show today. Um, Reports from The Athletic uh, that Kyrie Irving and Brooklyn are at an impasse. Kyrie Irving has a player option for $36 million. I just want to say this about Kyrie Irving. Like, if he tries to demand a trade, you're going to find out what an absolute low life people think of this guy. Because Brooklyn will not get back what they should get back for somebody as gifted and talented as Kyrie Irving is. He is it. He's an ego maniac. He's totally unreliable as a person and as a player and as an employee. You know, he's Mr. Philosopher all the time. I don't know who would want him. Now, I say that, and I also acknowledge he is brilliant when he plays. Yes, he is. He is spectacular to watch. Um, But you don't know if he's going to post on any given night. You don't know. He's uncoachable, totally uncoachable. Nobody likes him on their team. Um, And so if he thinks that they're at an impasse and he can demand a trade, you watch to see what teams offer. Like uh, apparently the Lakers are a potential suitor to, to reunite Kyrie Irving and LeBron. I would, you know what? I would actually pay to see that because uh, I mean, nobody wanted him out of there more than LeBron did. I mean, no one's wanted him after spending five minutes with him. Um, but that would be fascinating. And the other part of that that uh, speculation is that Russell Westbrook would be part of that deal going back to Brooklyn. So you'd have LeBron and Kyrie reunited, and you'd have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook reunited, along with you know the other guy that's you know nuts is Ben Simmons in Brooklyn. But if I were Brooklyn, there's no way you're going to get back for him what you think you're going to get back. I would just try to figure out how to keep him because you're not you have no chance with KD by himself. I mean, you got swept with KD and Kyrie Kyrie this year in the first round by the Celtics, a team that Golden State beat in the NBA Finals. But I think this Kyrie Irving story is uh, fun to follow, and it'd be interesting to see if he actually got traded to the Lakers. I know the Knicks are another possibility. But Brooklyn, Tommy, there's no way you get back proper value for a player of that talent because he is such an absolute self-absorbed narcissist and, and, and t- completely unreliable to even show up for work. So... Uh, the, you know, the, the NBA has a couple of these, you know, situations out there. This one's going to be interesting to see how it gets resolved because, you know, they always say there's somebody out there that says, I can make this guy work. We can make yeah. it work here. And nobody's been able to make it work with Kyrie Irving since, by the way, he, for all intents and purposes, was the alpha male in Game 7 when Cleveland beat Golden State. LeBron was phenomenal in Games 5, 6, and 7, but Kyrie brought that thing home uh, in Game 7. All right, uh, anything else from you? Yeah, before we go, I just wanted to give a shout-out to somebody who's totally reliable, and that's Neil in Rockville, who came to the D.C. Grayslake game last night, uh, and I sat with him and watched the game. It was a great game. The Grays are losing 4-2 to two in the bottom of the ninth. 
there's there's two outs, and it looks like the game is over, and the right fielder uh, drops a fly ball. The Grays score two runs to tie it, and then uh, another Grays player drives in the winning run, and we win 5-4 in the bottom of the ninth. Walk-off win. I mean, and Neil was there for it. You got, the, the two of you b- must have been so excited. Did you offer to take him dancing in Frederick at Baker Park afterwards? <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't. Oh, that's but too bad. Missed opportunity. At Grace games, everyone says to me at Grace games, "When's Kevin coming?" I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, By the okay. way, when am I going to get some of that gear? I love that that when DC that DC uh, light blue hat. That re- it's kind of royalish blue. I like that hat. Um, All right, we're done for today. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.